begin in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word. Pray that we would be back in Genesis soon, but I'm also grateful for this passage in 1 Corinthians by your apostle Paul that's really all about your son and and your wisdom and your power uh, and your calling and salvation uh, in the gospel. I pray that we would uh, understand the, the gospel all the more and that we would uh, know and uh, love you and love your son uh, all the more for uh, studying these words. And I pray that your spirit would be with us and that he would open our hearts and minds to uh, understand these things and that uh, we would uh, grow in the knowledge of you and your son and that we would uh, live to serve you. We pray in his name. Amen. All right. Now, Corinthians, uh, the, the Corinthians lived, of course, in Corinth. Uh, which was in ancient Greece, uh, just west of Athens. And the Apostle Paul spent uh, about a year and a half uh, in Corinth uh, during his second uh, missionary journey uh, between uh, maybe 49 to 51 uh, or uh, 50 and 52 A.D., uh, and so he established the, the church there uh, from the very uh, ground up. And so uh, they knew him uh, very, very uh, well. And as one where he had many personal connections. Uh, and then uh, between around uh, 53 and uh, 55 AD, uh, he was in uh, Ephesus uh, ministering. Uh, and before the end of that time, on, on his third missionary journey, uh, he had correspondence from the Corinthians, and uh, things were uh, drawn to his attention. Uh, there were certain problems in the church uh, and concerns that were raised, uh, and also they had various questions for him about all sorts of doctrinal issues and problems that were uh, going on, uh, immorality and and about uh, spiritual gifts and uh, what those were for, because there were some who were abusing those things in the church. And so uh, in this letter, uh, he's really addressing uh, all of these issues. Uh, and as we begin here, uh, we'll see that uh, the first issue that he deals with is that they had a cult of personality. Uh, they started uh, looking up to uh, and, and boasting in uh, various teachers and preachers and people who, who baptized uh, them. Uh, and they began to boast in them instead of to boast in Christ and the, the gospel, uh, instead of uh, focusing on Christ and what God has accomplished in him, the salvation uh, that's in him and their, their baptism into Christ, their union with him. Uh, and they began to boast in these teachers, and it uh, created divisions within the church as they were uh, arguing over them. Uh, and it may have even been like 
uh, some of the philosophers and wise men uh, that they had in Greece. And people would follow different philosophers and, uh, and different teachers and sit at their feet as disciples. And so the church, the, the Christians in the church began to become divided because uh, instead of recognizing the union that they had all together uh, in Christ and their faith and salvation was in him, uh, now uh, they're boasting in uh, just these men uh, who uh, who serve uh, Christ and they're they're good men, but uh, they're not the ones that uh, we follow. We don't follow men. Uh, we follow uh, Christ. Uh, we're disciples of Christ, uh, not of not of men. And so, uh, let's just begin with Paul's uh, introduction in verses one through nine. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, uh, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, uh, called to be saints, uh, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ, uh, both their Lord and ours, a grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And we'll just stop there for a moment. Uh, here uh, we see in a typical letter, uh, there's a, a sender and then an audience that he's writing to uh, and then a, a greeting uh, that he presents. And so the, the sender, the author is Paul. Uh, he gives a little, little detail about himself, some uh, important credentials, kind of like uh, giving a flashing his business card or ID, as uh, one scholar, uh, Stephen Rungi, has said about, about just these introductions. Uh, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Uh, and so his calling uh, as an apostle, it's from God. God uh, charged him uh, with this task. And an apostle is an envoy. Uh, one who is uh, sent, uh, sent by a, a king or, or a ruler. And Paul, he's, he's an apostle, an envoy of Christ Jesus, uh, uh, the anointed, uh, Jesus, the, the anointed, God's, uh, God's king uh, who has uh, sent him. And our brother Sosthenes uh, to the church of God that is in Corinth. Uh, this is, these are the people whom he's addressing. Uh, to the church of God that is in Corinth, uh, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Uh, sanctified, uh, they're, they're consecrated uh, in Christ. Uh, they're uh, set apart uh, for, uh, for God's uh, holy purpose. Uh, so in the tabernacle, uh, there were certain uh, jars and utensils and uh, things like that uh, that weren't used in the tabernacle. Uh, those weren't sanctified. They weren't consecrated. However, uh, if they had holy vessels uh, or they had the, the bread of presence, which was holy, it was set apart for God's purpose, uh, to be used for God, to, to minister in the tabernacle. And the priests were uh, holy. They were consecrated to God to uh, serve him. And so it is for 
uh, for all Christians, uh, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. They're, they're set apart in their union with Christ uh, for God. They, they belong to him for his good and holy uh, purpose and uh, called to be saints, holy ones, God's holy uh, people set apart uh, to him. Uh, and it's quite amazing that he says this about the Corinthians because they had some really major problems and lots of immorality within uh, the church. However, he still here uh, acknowledges them as those who are sanctified in Christ, uh, those uh, who have been set apart uh, in him. And they are, they are uh, holy ones. They are God's holy uh, people, uh, even though they, they weren't, all of them, always uh, walking uh, quite uh, according to the calling to which God has called them. And that's why Paul has to, has to address them. Uh, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, uh, Christians all over who believe and call upon him, a grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gets into, uh, he gives thanks for them, uh, which he often does in his letters, uh, although not in Galatians. Uh, the error in Galatians is so great, so severe, and they're turning away from the gospel uh, so quickly that he doesn't even give thanks to them or for them, but he just goes right uh, into uh, defending uh, his credentials as an apostle uh, in the gospel uh, that he was uh, given. Uh, faith by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Uh, but here he gives thanks uh, and begins to draw on some of the themes that are going to be important for the rest of the chapter as we get into it. Uh, the themes are, are what all of this is about. And so when you see ideas uh, maybe repeat uh, many times, it kind of gives you a clue about uh, what the, the chapter is about. So verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you uh, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and knowledge, uh, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, uh, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so he gives thanks uh, uh, for them, uh, to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Uh, God's grace, it's his it's his favor uh, that he bestows upon them. And often said unmerited favor because, of course, God's favor uh, can't be demanded. It's, it's given freely because he's God. He, he owes us uh, nothing. Uh, even when 
humans were first created, he owed them nothing because he created them. But he owned them. He owns everything. And so uh, he didn't owe them anything. They, they couldn't demand anything from, from him because he, he gave them everything uh, freely. And they, they had nothing to offer him. He created it all. Uh, and so uh, he gives thanks to them uh, because of the grace of God uh, that was given you in Christ uh, Jesus. Uh, it's God's favor bestowed upon them uh, in his son, uh, in union uh, with him. They're, they're identified with him uh, by, uh, by believing uh, in him. Uh, and then he says that in every way uh, you were enriched in him, in all speech and knowledge. Uh, and we're going to see, see more of this, but uh, uh, speech and knowledge. He's going to talk about the wisdom that's in Christ and uh, in the, the gospel, the, the salvation uh, that's in him, that, that God uh, reveals to us uh, through, uh, through the good news about the salvation and e eternal life that's in, uh, in Christ. Uh, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, uh, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, we won't go into it, but later uh, one of the issues is uh, they, they ask about spiritual gifts uh, beginning around chapter uh, 12. Uh, going through around four, 14. Uh, and some were, were boasting in certain gifts that seemed very showy. Uh, but uh, Paul here says, you know, none of them, they're, they're not lacking. Uh, gifts have been uh, given to them. And, uh, there are all sorts of gifts that God gives uh, in, uh, in Christ, uh, aside from the gifts and blessings of eternal salvation and eternal life, uh, just even teachers, pastors, uh, gifts of help. Uh, some people are very helpful. Some are very generous and uh, charitable, and they, they give very generously in the church. Uh, there are people who are uh, comforting and uh, caring and uh, even talk about the gift of tongues, which uh, was uh, foreign, foreign languages, uh, people who could speak in uh, foreign languages. Uh, in uh, all of these uh, gifts, uh, and they lacked none uh, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, uh, guiltless in the day of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, God is faithful. And so uh, they're waiting for the second coming of Christ uh, when he'll come to uh, to bring both salvation for those who are waiting for him and hoping and trusting in him, uh, but a judgment uh, for people who remain in, in unbelief and uh, in rebellion uh, and in their sin, doing evil deeds. Then he says, uh, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, uh, Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, and this will also be important. We're going to see this a lot. Uh, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, uh, Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, God called them. Uh, as he called uh, prophets uh, like uh, Jeremiah, 
before you were in the womb, I knew you and consecrated you as my prophet. Uh, he would call his prophets. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he was a cult. Uh, Christ himself uh, called him as his apostle. He, he appointed him. Uh, and here it's uh, what's called uh, the effectual call. Not just that, that God is, uh, when it says called into the fellowship of his son, uh, Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not, it's not uh, God uh, through the scripture just saying, well, would you like to be in fellowship with my son? And people are like, well, no, I don't really care about that. You know, and they reject the gospel. No, th this calling is, it's effectual. Uh, it actually uh, brings about uh, salvation so that uh, when the gospel message is preached uh, and the Holy Spirit uh, raises the dead sinner uh, uh, from spiritual death, to spiritual life uh, so that they can uh, truly understand uh, the wisdom of the gospel message of salvation uh, in Christ uh, that uh, they actually come to believe. It's, uh, it's a work uh, of uh, the Spirit of God. And this uh, will be very important because we're going to get now into their uh, boasting in men uh, and Paul is going to want them to boast only uh, in uh, the good news uh, the, the gospel only in Christ uh, only in uh, God's salvation in his son and so verses uh, 10 through 12 uh, this introduces uh, the a division within the church uh, in the cult of personality uh, where they're following men. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but uh, that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that uh, there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And so here there is a big problem uh, within the church. Uh, and basically everything that follows uh, is going to support uh, this appeal that he makes in verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Uh, he doesn't want divisions among them. Uh, knock this off. Stop having uh, divisions and dividing over following uh, these men here. Uh, 
but you're to be in agreement. Uh, you're to think the, the same way. Uh, you, you're all to be united uh, in, in Christ, uh, in the, the gospel, uh, trusting in him, trusting uh, in the good news, not, not being divided over, uh, over these uh, men. And so everything that, that follows, it's to, it's to uh, take the, the boasting out of their sails uh, so that they, they can't boast anymore. Uh, to, to tell them what true wisdom is, uh, where true power uh, is found, uh, not in not in men, uh, but in God. Uh, and so uh, he supports this, uh, or uh, he, he explains uh, what he says. He wants them to be of the same mind and uh, in agreement. Uh, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people uh, that there is quarreling among you. Uh, my brothers, uh, and so uh, he had reports uh, from the, the church, uh, from uh, Chloe's people uh, in Corinth, uh, talking about these divisions that, that were going on that was really separating uh, the church uh, in uh, Corinth. And uh, so that he'd step in and address uh, these these issues. And so they're, they're quarreling. And uh, what are they quarreling about? Uh, what I mean is that, here's what he means. Here's, here's the, the quarreling. Uh, each one of you says, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. Or I follow Christ. Uh, and here you, you see uh, different people. No, these people, they're, they're not bad people. And uh, actually they were uh, faithful uh, ministers of the, the gospel. Uh, besides Christ, he, he's the he's the risen Lord. Uh, but uh, Paul, he, he's an apostle. Uh, they knew him. He spent a year and a half uh, there. Uh, Apollos, uh, after Paul finished his uh, time there, uh, either in 51 or 52 AD, uh, thereabouts, uh, he went to travel back to Jerusalem, but he made a, a quick stop in Ephesus uh, along the way. Uh, on the western coast of uh, Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. Uh, and when he is there, he met with some of the uh, Ephesian uh, elders, and he, he went to the synagogue. Uh, and they wanted him, well, not, not Christian elders there, but the, the Jews in the, the synagogue. Uh, and they wanted him to stay, uh, but Paul had plans to go back first uh, to uh, Jerusalem, uh, to uh, Judea, uh, and then, uh, if God willed, uh, he would travel uh, all the way back to Ephesus, where he did, and he, he spent about uh, three years, around 52, 53 AD, uh, all the way through uh, 55 uh, AD. Uh, and it was there, after Paul left uh, Ephesus, uh, so around 52, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, uh, two companions of the Apostle Paul, uh, they stayed uh, in Ephesus. And he originally met, met them in Corinth. They were uh, Jewish believers in Christ. Uh, they were Christians who, who came out of Rome. And uh, they participated in the, the same uh, trade uh, as, as Paul. And uh, they stayed there and they met a man named uh, Apollos. Uh, who was uh, very learned uh, in 
the scriptures. Uh, he knew them a very, a very uh, well. However, he only knew of the baptism of John. Uh, and so he hadn't heard the gospel uh, yet uh, uh, from the, after the, the coming of, of Christ. And so uh, they instructed him uh, more carefully and he uh, came to, to believe. Uh, and then uh, they sent him along uh, on his way uh, to Corinth. And so uh, as Paul was traveling back and eventually made it to Ephesus, Apollos went to Corinth and he, he strengthened uh, the church there and believers and he refuted uh, the Jews, uh, the, the Jews who were uh, unbelieving. Uh, some had come uh, to believe. Uh, and so Apollo spent some time there and, and became known uh, in uh, Corinth. Uh, and it seems uh, it's not Paul's doing, not Apollos's uh, doing. Uh, they began to become divided and, and start to follow these teachers and become disciples of, of men uh, rather than disciples of uh, Christ. Uh, and so I follow Paul. I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, another name for Peter, uh, the apostle uh, Peter, or I follow Christ. Well, that's shocking. That's troublesome. Some follow Christ. I suppose the others don't. They're following these other guys. Uh, that's really problematic. And so uh, over this division, Paul speaks up, what are you thinking? Verse 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? Well, the answer to the first one, is Christ divided? The implicit answer is, no, of course not. He's not divided. Uh, Christ is one. Uh, they, they trust in Christ, and they're, they're to be united with him and identified with him. A Christ isn't divided. He doesn't stand against him himself. Uh, was Paul crucified for you? No, Paul wasn't crucified for them. Christ was uh, crucified uh, for them. And so why are some saying, I follow Paul instead of Christ. Paul wasn't crucified for them. He's talking about the gospel here. Uh, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Well, no, they were baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, they were baptized into Christ. Christ was crucified uh, for them. And so it doesn't make any sense that they'd be saying, I follow Paul uh, over against following Christ or, or any of these, uh, these other guys. Uh, and so uh, Paul, uh, then uh, giving a defense, uh, says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say uh, that you were baptized in my name. And now, of course, what he says there, uh, it's not quite true, uh, if you leave the, the end of it off. I think God that I baptized none of you. We did baptize some of them, but he's, he's emphasizing that he didn't generally 
baptize anyone really a very very few and so why are they boasting in this so apparently uh depending on who baptized uh, they might boast in them and then become a disciple of them and uh, following uh, them uh, but paul says i i baptize none of you except crispus and gaius okay yeah there there are a couple he kind of cleans the slate and yeah there are a couple uh, so that no one may say that uh, you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Uh, beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. Uh, and Crispus and Gaius were some of the first converts uh, that Paul had uh, in uh, Corinth. I believe Crispus was even a, a leader of the synagogue uh, there. Uh, but uh, baptizing these few, uh, they shouldn't be uh, boasting in Paul uh, because they weren't baptized into him. They were baptized into uh, Christ. And if you think about, uh, yes, uh, someone is involved uh, in your baptism. Uh, so uh, Pastor Bob, uh, he uh, baptized me. Uh, and I appreciate that they did that. I, I have uh, uh, fond memories of that day. But the important thing isn't who baptizes you. It's in whom you're baptized. You're baptized into Christ. You're, you, you, it symbolizes being dying and being buried with him uh, in his death. Uh, and being raised with him to newness of life in his uh, resurrection. Uh, being united with Christ, uh, being identified with him. You're, uh, so it's not who baptizes you that's important, but uh, the one into whom uh, you're baptized, uh, the Father, Son, uh, in the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then uh, beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. Uh, for Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Uh, and so it's not that baptizing isn't important. Uh, actually, when a Christ says, uh, go, make disciples, and the command is really make disciples, he then shows what's involved in that baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's the very first thing they lists in the Great Commission about making disciples. Now, of course, they have to repent and believe first, but uh, it's so closely connected with, uh, with the inauguration of uh, where, where one comes to repent and, and believe. And uh, optimally, uh, they'd be baptized uh, right away, uh, if, uh, if, if at all uh, possible. Uh, and then uh, he goes on uh, teaching them all that I commanded you. And so there's baptizing and, and teaching. So it's not that's important, unimportant, but uh, Paul was not called by Christ uh, particularly to baptize. Uh, that's not what he was called for. Uh, there are many who can do that, uh, but uh, he was called uh, to preach the gospel, uh, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied 
of its power. So now he's going to instruct them in uh, the gospel. Uh, this is why he came. Uh, they need to find wisdom uh, in the gospel. They need to find their uh, power in their boasting in the gospel uh, and in uh, Christ and God. Uh, and he says, uh, to preach the gospel not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Uh, and here, uh, they they were boasting in wisdom. They were boasting in teachers. And boy, that Apollos, uh, boy, he can preach. Oh, the just... Oh, he has a way with words. The, the rhetorical flourishes and is uh, ungar touche with his uh, with his words. And Paul, I mean, not not all that impressive. And uh, they boast in things like this with their uh, with their teachers. And so Paul is going to refute that. He's going to tear that down. Uh, he came to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its Power and that that might be kind of shocking to them. Wait, you mean eloquence will rob the gospel of its power? Yeah, uh, we're going to see that uh, because it doesn't mean. I mean, someone can communicate well. Not that's not that's not necessarily bad. But uh, the thing is, it's the content of the gospel. Uh, it's. It's the gospel itself about the crucified and resurrected Messiah, uh, who's the very source of eternal life. It's that which gives life. Uh, people, if they, they hear eloquence, uh, they, they might be impressed by the, the eloquence of it. Uh, they might be impressed by, by the teacher uh, and not really uh, the gospel itself. Uh, they might not really be brought to, uh, to, to recognize uh, their sins uh, in their guilt and condemnation before God and uh, their need uh, for Christ as the one and only Savior, but they might be impressed with the, the eloquence of the, the speaker. Uh, and so Paul doesn't want to lure people and entice people with eloquence uh, because he could re he'd repl be replacing the gospel. Uh, and people would find that in attractive instead of, uh, instead of Christ as the source of salvation, and he does not want the cross of Christ uh, to be emptied of its uh, power. And so uh, now he explains what he just said about preaching the gospel, not in eloquence, not having it robbed of its power. For the word of the cross, another name for the gospel, uh, because the, the cross is so central uh, to uh, the, the gospel and to Christ's uh, work uh, where he uh, died as a, a substitutionary uh, sacrifice on behalf of those uh, who believe. Uh, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God for it is written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart 
And now here, uh, he says that the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And we're going to see uh, there are basically only two uh, responses uh, to the gospel, uh, to the proclamation of the gospel, to the proclamation of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, and one response uh, are those who see the cross as folly. Uh, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's really foolishness, uh, the gospel, but that's how they perceive it uh, when they hear it preached. Uh, it sounds like a very foolish uh, message uh, indeed. Uh, and we'll be getting into it a little more, uh, just a, a few verses. Uh, but you have to realize that in ancient times and in the Roman Empire, uh, that uh, crucifixion was uh, the one of the single most abhorrent, uh, detested, uh, disgusting, horrible things uh, that anyone could ever uh, imagine. Uh, people these days, uh, as uh, many uh, preachers and scholars have, have said, uh, people today will wear crosses as jewelry. Uh, they'll wear it on uh, a necklace or maybe even a bracelet, or they might have a shirt with a cross on it, or they, they might have a bumper sticker, or uh, they might have it on a Bible or something like that. Uh, but uh, in the Roman world, uh, crucifixion uh, in the cross was uh, the most gruesome uh, executioner's uh, device. Uh, and really it was, it was uh, executioner's and the torturer's uh, device. Uh, because it was basically made uh, so that people would die uh, the most uh, gruesome, slow, agonizing, painful, uh, humiliating uh, death uh, that there was. Uh, and uh, as I recall, uh, in general, I don't think that Roman citizens uh, usually could even be crucified. Uh, it, it was so uh, terrible. That, that was a privilege of Roman citizens, uh, at least in general, uh, as they could also appeal to uh, Caesar as the final court uh, in, a, in a trial. Uh, but uh, it was reserved for, uh, for non-Romans, uh, for uh, the, the worst, most detestable of uh, criminals, uh, robbers and murderers and violent people, uh, insurrectionists and r rebels and uh, traitors, uh, and people would even be crucified uh, in public places, uh, even crucified naked, uh, dying slow, agonizing, humiliating uh, deaths uh, as a statement of the, the power of the Roman Empire uh, to strike fear uh, into criminals and rebels and anyone uh, that would oppose uh, their uh, power. 
and authority. Uh, and so uh, the word of the cross, uh, when people would hear that they need to believe in the crucified a Jewish uh, Messiah, anointed king, uh, that was extremely foolish. Uh, that didn't make any uh, sense uh, at all to them uh, because, well, first, uh, he was a Jew, uh, and the Jews were kind of off. Uh, they were very separatist. Uh, Jews who actually followed the, the religion, uh, they dressed differently. Uh, they didn't believe in the same gods that people believed in. Uh, they ate differently. Uh, they it separated them uh, from Gentiles, from people in the uh, nation, uh, so that they wouldn't become uh, unclean. Uh, and it made them really uh, stand out. Uh, and they could be uh, pariahs, uh, although they had privileges in many areas in the, the Roman Empire. Uh, they often had tensions with the, the citizenry uh, around them. And so then to say, the Jewish anointed king, the one that we've been waiting for, was crucified on a Roman cross, dying the de detestable death of the most vilest of common criminals. Uh, that was insane to them. That didn't make any a sense uh, at all. And if, if you don't believe in him, you won't be saved. You won't have eternal life. You, you need to repent. You need to believe in Yahweh, the, the God of the Jews, uh, because he sent this, uh, this uh, savior, his, his anointed king, to die uh, a humiliating, excruciating death on a Roman cross. That was purely offensive. Uh, they didn't want to believe in Jewish religion anyway. Uh, they, they had their own gods and their own religion. Uh, thank you very, very much. And now you're saying that their king was crucified and we have to trust in him for the forgiveness of our sins. And so this was a downright offensive message uh, to a non-Jewish uh, people. Uh, and we'll also see it was offensive to the Jewish people uh, as well. And so there are two responses uh, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So you have those who are perishing, who will die in their sins, uh, who will stand before God one day uh, and be judged uh, and uh, be found guilty. Uh, and they will pay the just uh, punishment for their uh, sins uh, in hell apart from apart from God. Uh, and to them, uh, it's folly. But to us who are being saved, it is uh, the power of God. Uh, believers uh, see and recognize that uh, the cross is not, it's not really folly. Uh, the crucified Jewish uh, Messiah, anointed king, uh, is actually the power of God, uh, because apart from him, uh, no one could be saved. Uh, apart from him, uh, we're all sinful and guilty and condemned uh, before a holy God. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. All of us are guilty uh, and would be uh, judged. And it's only 
uh, through him uh, and him dying uh, in our place uh, that we can be saved. It's only uh, through his righteousness uh, that uh, we can uh, be forgiven uh, by God because he is perfectly just uh, and he cannot uh, overlook sin. And so God himself uh, bore our sins uh, in uh, the person of uh, the Son. And so two responses. Uh, those who are perishing see his folly. Uh, to us who are being saved as the power of God and the Corinthians uh, need to uh, not look to the folly of men, but to the power of God. Uh, for it is written, uh, verse 19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. And that comes from Isaiah chapter 29, verse 14. Uh, and in uh, those days, uh, they were looking to the wisdom of men and dealing with the uh, Assyrian Empire uh, and the threat uh, upon uh, upon uh, Judah and upon uh, Jerusalem uh, and the uh, nation. Uh, and they, they were looking uh, to their prophets. Uh, they were looking to their scribes, uh, those who were uh, trained and wise uh, men, uh, those who could uh, advise and give advice uh, to deal with the Assyrian threat, but they were not looking uh, to God. Uh, they were trusting in men rather than God. And uh, God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. And so uh, those men who seem to be wise, uh, it seems that they can uh, help us uh, plan so that the Assyrians don't, uh, don't harm us. Uh, God uh, turns their plans into nothing uh, and he destroys them. Uh, it seems wise, uh, but God thwarts them. Uh, he brings them uh, to an end so that, they're, so that they are futile uh, and they fail. Uh, they fail to protect them from the Assyrians and unless they trust in God, uh, their plans come to nothing. And so now Paul takes this uh, same idea uh, that God, he destroys the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning, uh, I will thwart. Uh, and he shows now uh, that God does the same thing here uh, through uh, the cross. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Uh, some of this is drawn also from uh, Isaiah, I believe in the uh, chapters 40 through uh, 48. Uh, here now Paul is uh, calling them, calling them out. Uh, where is the one who is wise? Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Uh, come out, step out, uh, stand up to God and uh, his uh, wisdom. Uh, let's see about your wisdom, wise man and scribe and debater of this age. Uh, these would be people who would be thought to be wise and to have knowledge of the very greatest 
uh, in, in Greece of this day, wise men, scribes, uh, those who, who were trained in reading and writing and law, uh, in debaters, uh, they, they had their great debaters. Even Paul went on the Areopagus and uh, they, uh, we, we'll hear what you have to say. He brings a new teaching because uh, they were always hearing something new, as uh, Luke says, <laughs> not approvingly. Uh, and so Paul calls them out. Has not God made foolish uh, the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Uh, so showing these made foolish the wisdom of the world. For uh, since in the wisdom of God, the world did not come to know God through wisdom. And that's human wisdom. This was God's wisdom. God's plan uh, to thwart human wisdom. To thwart uh, the wisdom of the world. Uh, and his plan uh, to do this was that uh, since uh, in the wisdom of God, the world did not come to know God through wisdom, through human wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those uh, who believe. And so it's not through human wisdom that they come to a saving knowledge of, of God. Uh, yeah, uh, they know they exist. God, God has revealed that in, in the creation, uh, even though they suppress the truth. Uh, and turn to idolatry, uh, they do know they exist. He's put their conscience on their hearts. But through human wisdom, no one will ever come to a saving knowledge of God. They'll never have their sins forgiven. Uh, they will never come uh, to truly know God and to be restored to him, uh, to a right, a relationship uh, to God uh, through human wisdom. Uh, philosophers can philosophize, uh, and they have for thousands of years. Uh, and if the Lord tarries, they could do it for thousands of years more. And they will never uh, arrive at uh, saving knowledge of God uh, through human wisdom. And this was God's plan. Uh, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And so, of course, it's not real folly what they preach uh, the gospel, Christ crucified, but uh, to them, it is folly. That's how the world sees it. That's how humans naturally see it, uh, apart from God. Uh, the, the crucified Messiah, that's, that's what they preach. But uh, God's good pleasure, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those uh, who believe, uh, because then they're trusting in the gospel. They're trusting in God's wisdom, in God's power, and not in a man's uh, wisdom. Uh, for uh, Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Uh, and so here, uh, notice now when they preach uh, this message, uh, and how they don't come to know it through human, human wisdom. 
I look at these different groups and how, how they uh, either reject or receive it. Uh, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Uh, and so the Jews looking for human wisdom, they want signs. Give us a sign in the heavens. Give us a miracle. Uh, give us something that, that we can uh, see, uh, something tangible. It's like the rich man. Uh, Father Abraham, uh, send Lazarus uh, to go warn my brothers uh, because I have brothers uh, lest they come to this place. I have, have Lazarus go because if Lazarus goes from the dead, uh, they will believe. Uh, but Abraham says uh, that if they do not believe Moses and the prophets, uh, they, if they don't repent at them, they, they will not believe at all, uh, even if a man should rise from the dead. Uh, they want signs, but signs won't, won't do it. Uh, rather, uh, they need to believe uh, God's word that's proclaimed. Uh, they need to believe the gospel. And they're, they're always looking for a sign but they are not looking for a Christ a crucified uh, in the message of uh, the cross. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. They want wisdom. Uh, they, they want to hear the philosophers. They want to hear the, the debaters. Uh, something uh, that, that sounds good, good to them. Uh, but God doesn't give them signs. He doesn't give them a wisdom, human, human wisdom, and, and signs that they they look for, because then they could uh, they could boast uh, in those things. Uh, but Paul says, uh, "But we preach Christ crucified." That's not what they're looking for. That's not what they they want. They want signs and wisdom. Wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Now listen to how it's received: a stumbling block to Jews, and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And so it's a stumbling block for Jews. They, they, they stumble, they trip, they fall over it. Uh, it it's offensive to them, the, this message of, of the crucified anointed king. They weren't looking for a crucified anointed king. Uh, they want one who would who'd come and, uh, and rule and uh, whoop the, the Romans uh, right away and just dominate the, the nations and uh, bring in uh, riches and food and uh, all prosperity, all, all these things. Uh, but they weren't looking for a crucified Messiah to forgive their sins. It's a stumbling block to Jews. It's folly to Gentiles. It's, it's foolishness. We have to believe in the crucified uh, Jewish anointed king, but to those who are called, called of God. There we see the efficacious call again. This, this makes all the difference, uh, showing that the Corinthians, they shouldn't be boasting uh, in a human wisdom and in mere humans, uh, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. They, they receive it. Those who are called by God, called by his uh, spirit and raised from spiritual death to spiritual life, uh, they recognize the message for what it is. 
uh, both both Jews and Greeks who who are called a Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. It's really power and a wisdom of God. Uh, that's what Christ uh, really is. That's what the message of the cross uh, really is, uh, because it's by that that God saves. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, of course, again, it's not it's not really foolishness. Uh, it's 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 wisdom. It's wisdom of God. It's not really weakness. It's it's power because he just said Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. But you take take uh, the the foolishness of God, the the very the very most foolish thing, uh, and it's wiser than men. <laughs> God, God on his worst day uh, is is wiser than than men, <laughs> uh, and not not by uh, not by half, uh, infinitely so. Uh, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Uh, the the cross, uh, because there uh, it's amazing. You you see, uh, it's almost a paradox uh, seeing a there is uh, the crucified uh, anointed king and savior of his people uh, there uh, he looks helpless uh, and powerless uh, dying a uh, humiliating uh, foolish uh, painful uh, excruciating death uh, the death of uh, the very worst of the worst of criminals uh, and he looks, it looks foolish, it looks weak, but it's that that God uses to uh, forgive uh, sinners and to uh, save. And it's really, it's really God's wisdom uh, in God's uh, power. Uh, and it's uh, by that uh, that uh, he brings about his eternal kingdom uh, and eternal life and restores his blessing uh, and his a good provision over all of his creation uh, through the crucified and risen Lord uh, who redeems uh, his uh, people. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So now he finally turns uh, to uh, the Corinthians, uh, and he's going to uh, apply uh, this a message uh, to them because they're boasting in men. Uh, they're boasting in the wisdom of men. They're they're boasting in Paul. They're boasting in uh, Apollos, uh, Cephas. Uh, some of them are with Christ. Uh, and so Paul is setting them uh, right, trying to bring them down from their pedestal, bring them down from their pride in their boasting and their divisions uh, and really to uh, shame them so that they realize they have nothing left uh, to boast in or to trust in, but in the wisdom and power of God uh, in uh, Christ and in uh, the gospel. And so let's read uh Verse 26 through 31. 
For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and the despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so, now seeing the, the uh, power, uh, power of God, and that his, his foolishness is wiser than men, and his weakness stronger than men, than men uh, he does this by reminding them. Uh, Verse 26, for consider your calling, uh, brothers. Uh, they're calling uh, by God. They're, they're calling uh, to uh, salvation uh, by his uh, spirit. Uh, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Same, you didn't have whole lot going for you. <laughs> you, you, you weren't, weren't very wise according to worldly standards. And these are those who are boasting, <laughs> boasting in men and in uh, human, human wisdom. <laughs> He's kind of poking them in the eye a little bit. <laughs> it probably, probably hurts a bit. Um, not many of you were wise accord, according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, but not many were of noble birth. Uh, these weren't the, the movers and shakers uh, of, of the world. Uh, these weren't the, the great philosophers. Uh, these weren't the, the great debaters and scribes and statesmen and politicians and uh, emperors and kings and queens. Uh, they're quite lowly and humble uh, where God called them. Uh, and so this is the... the, the the bad side of it, what, what they were not, uh, they weren't wise according to worldly standards. Not many, not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. But what were they? Uh, or, but uh, God chose, what did he choose? He didn't ch choose these things and them for these reasons. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, uh, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Same. You, you weren't wise. You were you were foolish uh, in the, the sight of the world. By, by worldly standards, you were foolish. Uh, God, that's what God chose. Uh, what is foolish uh, in the world? Well, it doesn't mean it's absolutely foolish, but according to, to human standards, human wisdom, uh, it, is, it is foolish. But by, by God's choice, uh, 
It's God's wisdom to, to choose the, the things that are uh, foolish uh, in, in the world, uh, those who are lowly, those who, who maybe don't have a, a whole lot going for them or don't seem that impressive uh, in, in the world. Uh, God chose what is weak in the world uh, to shame the strong. So he didn't choose the, the, the strong. He, he chose what, what seems weak uh, in, in the world. Uh, shows that, that it's God's choice, God's, God's wisdom. God chose what is low, uh, the despised in the world, even the things that are not, uh, to bring to nothing uh, the things uh, that are. What is low and despised in the world, the things that are not. Saying they're, they're nothings. They, they almost don't exist. Uh, they're, they're really not relevant. Uh, they're, they're, they're almost just totally, utterly invisible. It's as if they don't exist. How, how unimpressive uh, these uh, Corinthians are that, that God uh, chose uh, to bring to nothing uh, things that are. Uh, all of this, it, it, it shames the wise. It shames the strong. It, it brings to nothing the things that are uh, in uh, the world that seem great by worldly uh, standards that humans are boasting. It, it, it brings them down uh, to bring to nothing the things that are so that no human being might boast in uh, the presence of God. Uh, and so the Corinthians, no one uh, that God calls can boast in the presence of God because why did God choose? Well, it was his good pleasure, his sovereign choice. And uh, if there was any reason, it's because, well, we didn't have much going for us <laughs> by, by worldly, worldly standards. And so it shows that God is God is great, and uh, he didn't choose us uh, because of because of any any greatness uh, uh, on our part, uh, anything to uh, to commend us to God. Oh, oh this one, uh, you know, he's quite impressive. Uh, he, he's he's very very wise, uh, noble, strong. I I want him on my team, and so God chooses. No, Paul's saying basically, if God chose you, if there's any reason uh, apart from his good pleasure, it's that. You, you didn't have much going for you. And so uh, the Corinthians really uh, shouldn't be uh, boasting uh, so that uh, no human being might boast in the presence of God. Uh, no one can can boast uh, because of this, uh, because it's it's God's uh, very, very work and, and uh, choice. And uh, he even says as much uh, very clearly in the, the next uh, two verses. Uh, verse 30, and because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And because of him you are in Christ uh, Jesus. It's it's all of all of God. It's it's all of the the work of God. It's a a powerful, a gracious, merciful, a sovereign working of God uh, that uh, that raises a dead sinner to, to life, so that uh, they don't see uh, the cross and the gospel as foolishness. 
uh, they don't see it as weakness, but they, they recognize it for what it truly is. It's truly the wisdom of God. It's truly the power of God uh, because there, uh, God's uh, eternal salvation and eternal life uh, is uh, found. And it, it's all because of uh, him uh, who became to us, Christ Jesus, who became to us uh, wisdom from God righteousness and sanctification and uh, redemption. So uh, it's his working that uh, united them to his son uh, so that uh, they're in him, they're, they're identified with, with him uh, as their savior. Uh, and uh, he became to us, who became to us a wisdom from a God. It's the very wisdom of God uh, that comes to us that we, we find uh, in Christ, when God God removes uh, the the veil and our, our uh, the hardness of our hearts, it became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification, and redemption. All the terms of salvation, uh, righteousness that's only uh, in uh, Christ and found in uh, Him. Uh, that's where uh, God's righteousness is found and. Uh, sanctification, uh, setting uh, setting them apart uh, for God, for uh, his holy purposes, his uh, holy uh, vessels of mercy, uh, and uh, redemption, uh, redemption, uh, like redeeming someone, a slave from uh, the slave market, from slavery, uh, and paying their fine, and letting uh, the captives uh, go uh, free, and uh, here we're redeemed uh, from our sins by by His Son. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And so, uh, the Corinthians shouldn't be following uh, following men, and uh, they have good teachers. Uh, Apollos was a good guy, and he proclaimed the gospel, and Paul and Cephas. But uh, we don't. Uh, follow men. Uh, we don't follow uh, Bob Dewey or John MacArthur or R.C. Sproul, Stephen Lawson, uh, but uh, we are uh, to be disciples of Christ. And uh, our boast and trust is only uh, to be in the Lord, in the, the Lord Jesus uh, Christ and in the Father uh, who uh, gave him, uh, gave up his son uh, on our uh, behalf. And so this, I think, is a great uh, passage and one that, that really uh, shows the, the power of uh, the, the gospel. And so uh, let's just uh, close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I uh, thank you uh, for this word that's uh, breathed out by you and uh, that was authored and brought about by your Holy Spirit as he uh, carried along your prophets and, and you uh, spoke from from men, from, from your holy pro prophets and apostles. And I uh, thank you for this and I thank you uh, for the gospel and uh, for the apostle Paul and uh, for his proclamation of Christ and him crucified. And I pray that we would uh, recognize uh, 
uh, the message of the cross for what it truly is. It's uh, wisdom and power uh, from you uh, because uh, it's only uh, by the death, burial, and resurrection of your uh, eternal Son uh, that uh, we can find uh, the forgiveness of our sins and uh, grace and mercy and redemption. And I pray that uh, we would uh, trust in him and him alone and that uh, we would grow in, in the knowledge of your Son and uh, of uh, the riches and inheritance that are found uh, in him. So we thank you for all of these things and I pray in his name. Amen.